When we talk, we all know, we all have all the information. So we're not, we're, when we get together to solve a problem, it's not about getting each other up to speed on the job or whatever. Everybody knows everything. It's actually to get, you know, right down to business and, and save time. And, and um, he used the word team, team building. That was Luke Elias, and this is the Push Through Podcast. Welcome to the Push Through Podcast, where each week we tackle some of the most difficult areas of business as a shop owner, contractor, or manufacturer with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking minds in business development, marketing, entrepreneurship, and leadership. These are conversations designed to educate, inspire, and empower business owners and leaders to push through the barriers and thresholds they see before them. Join us for the ride at thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com, where you can find in-depth articles and show notes from each episode. Get ready for the push through and your host, Jeff Finney. Welcome back to the Push Through Podcast. And today I'm excited about the uh, interview we've got with Luke Elias of Muskoka Cabinet Company, also of Smart MRP. He is a enthusiast in the automation world. If you was to look his cabinet shop up, you'd see several videos of automated robots and RFID systems. And today we are going to take an in-depth look at how to start automating from a beginner's perspective, uh, kind of where Luke started in the um, automation realm and um, everywhere that it's took him from there. So it's going to be an exciting interview. So uh, welcome to the push through as we jump in with Luke Elias. Welcome back to the Push Through Podcast, and Luke, Elias, we are glad to have you with us today, and um, we're going to jump right into talking about automation and kind of your your journey of automation, but more than that, we want to kind of all learn from your experiences and maybe make it easier on ourselves, so we're going to kind of bring it from a beginner's perspective, um, but before we jump into that, Luke, tell us a little bit about yourself, give us some current background on what you do, and what's a kind of a typical day look like for you right now? Well, good morning, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm originally a, I graduated in business. Uh, I have a degree in business. And um, I, after that, I, I went to work for my brother for about a year and a half in high-end audio. And that really wasn't for me. So I, I moved back home. And, and uh, my mother was always interested in kitchen cabinets. And she she worked in a very small kitchen and she didn't like the fact that when she went in to cook, uh, she'd have to open and close her doors constantly and they were always in the way. So she wanted a system where the doors, when she went in to cook, she could just roll them open, leave them open, do what she needed to do. And after she was finished, close the doors. Makes sense. So I designed and built um, we, we call it tambour now, mm-hmm. a kitchen. This was several years ago. I built her a complete kitchen out of high gloss white acrylic. And t- I made all the tambour doors. I bent, I used curtain tracks and I bent them. And so the doors would open and they'd slide around the side all the way around to the back of the cabinet. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So, and I, I, uh, registered the company. I called it rolls cabinet company and I thought I'd get into to making these cabinets. Um, as it turns out, I, I, uh, I ended up seeing a kitchen cabinet company for sale in the business section of the newspaper one day, and uh, I bought it. Wow. But I never put the Rolls cabinet 
design into production, unfortunately. Right. But, you know, Tambour became very popular, used it for appliance garages and all kinds of stuff. But, uh, yeah. That's definitely a, that's a unique start from what most people, I mean, that's a, you're jumping off onto a pretty complicated project to begin with where probably most of us just learn by, you know, messing up, cutting just pieces of wood, but you jump in on the hardest stuff to deal with. I did. And, uh, <laughs> and the whole journey has been that way. Right. Yeah. Jumping uh, knee deep and uh, right into the fire, huh? Yeah. What do you, what do you focus on nowadays now that you're established? You've been in the, you've been in the industry for how, tell us a little bit about that. You know, how long have you been in it and, uh, you know, what are you focused on now? Well, I bought, I bought the, that, that kitchen cabinet business in 1989. Um, my typical day, as you asked earlier, uh, besides right now I'm building a house, but other than that, um, I spend a lot of time looking at data and analyzing financial statements. Um, we have an ERP system that we've that we've installed since 2004, and it is everything and anything here at Muskoka. Um, so I'll, I will I will um, look at data every day, spot potential problems, and I'll go out and walk the shop floor and I'll ask questions mm-hmm. and about the system, how it's running. And my favorite one is, why are you doing that? And that always provokes some answers. Well, that's the way, you know, it's because this is not working or that's the way we've always done it. Or you always get some answer and some explanation. But I like to dig and dig and dig and dig because usually behind anything that you see that doesn't look quite, you know, productive or efficient, there's a way to fix it. Right. I agree. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's value stream mapping on the fly, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so just question, you know, why are they doing that and what, what's happening before that and what's happening after that. Right. So that's, that's what I typically do every day. Um, I spend a lot of time on, analyzing the data from the ERP system and looking at reports and questioning and then coming up with ways to make things better, make it better, make it easier. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of the, the goal of the talk today is kind of talking about that process of automating because I think everybody looks at automation differently. You know, when you talk to some people and they say they're fully automated, well, really when you dig behind it, they've just got a CNC machine or, I mean, you know, right. possibly a CNC horizontal bore. So, you know, they've got some CNC aspects, but that's that's not the kind of automation we're talking about here today. We're talking about automating the whole company, um, you know, from, from front to back, and every process is actually automated. And it sounds like by watching some of your videos at Muskoka, uh, you guys have, you, you're doing that. You know, you're constantly doing that, getting better and, and automating more and more every day. So kind of the... The main topics here, we're going to start with, um, we talked before this, you said uh, kind of the how to get started part. Let's let's jump into the how to get started on automating and give us kind of your viewpoint of that. Well, I, I'll tell you a little story and, and how we, we, we sort of started down this road. Uh, back in 2003, we actually had a fire uh, at our factory and we decided to uh, buy a new building and start fresh. So... We, we, um, we, we, we had done some courses in lean manufacturing and then we learned about value stream mapping. So we sat down with a committee of a select few employees 
um, from every department. Mm -hmm. And we went through the steps of, of material, ordering the material, having the material come through the door, and how it went through each station on the shop floor. And we listed all these. It's a, it's a very difficult, long process. It's tiring. Um, we had 500 steps, you know, before to, to actually um, make a cabinet from start to finish, to right. shipping it at the door. So we went through the process of, of cutting that down, and we cut it down to 250 steps, so essentially in half. And as we were doing that, we had this big whiteboard, and we were laying out um, the, the processes on, on, this, on this whiteboard of where stations or activities had to happen in order to cut down these steps. Right. So we, we'd move them around on the board. So if, you know, give an example, um, we, we buy a lot of our five-piece doors. So they'd come in on pallets, and then they'd be moved halfway across the building and here and there. Well, the first step for us in that process was to drill the doors, receive them and drill them. So we set up the, the, the drilling and receiving station right at the, at the receiving door. You drop the pallet there. Why, you know, move it somewhere else? Right. So as, the, as, as this evolved, um, and by the time we got to the end of it, we had a complete shop layout. And that shop layout is the one that we, we, we built and put into practice in the new building. And no matter which way we looked at it, we couldn't improve it because it all came from the steps of how we do things. We, we couldn't make it any better. Yeah. So that was... That was how we got started, and I noticed the power of that because when we moved to the new manufacturing facility, we had the same number of people. We had the same, we bought all new equipment, but it's the same type of equipment. So one nesting machine, one edge bender, et cetera. And in the first month we were in the new plant, pr production doubled. That's doubled. significant. I, yeah, it is. Couldn't believe it. So that that's what gave me... I learned the power of things that I can't see normally. Right. So a lot of this was material handling that we just didn't see. Yeah. So, so you you just kind of nailed one one part of it, the material handling. So you're you're actually talking about not just the forklift going and grabbing the panel. You're talking about material handling, like cut part, pick up another part, pick it up again, pick it up again, so on and so forth. Exactly. Your value stream mapping that entire process cutting out but like you said you cut out half of the processes just by mapping it out correct right so it's how the pieces travel from station to station so that's that's a very you know very big part of you know lean manufacturing is that value stream mapping and on a couple of episodes that we've had we've had people like Paul Akers with two second lean and Brad Karens that follows that same thought line and mm -hmm. they all talk about value stream mapping to a certain extent um, Paul's a little bit less on on value stream mapping, I think Brad a little bit more, but um, this seems like that is an idea that would really help any in, any uh, shop or manufacturer, anybody just laying out that process. So, can you dig just a little deeper into that value stream mapping? Like, how do you physically do that? Like, what's what's the process? We take each department and one by one. Um, let's say the finishing department. Okay. And which is one of the most difficult. So I'll start with that one. You get them in a room, sit them down, you have a, a big whiteboard, and 
you go through each process. So we have many finishes in the cabinet industry. You know, we have solid colors, we have antique finishes, rubbed finishes. Right. You know, and what we do is we we start with we, we pick a finish and have them tell us exactly what they do to achieve that finish from start to finish. Right. And then, then pick the next one. So you dig down, you don't just let them say apply stain or no. um, 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 scuff sand here or flip and, and recoat or whatever. You're, you're digging down to the pick door up, turn door over. I mean, you're getting down to the root details of how you do everything, correct? That's right. Okay. And you know, it's like anything. The more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. Right. So when, when they're flipping that door over and doing the next stage, where, where are you going with that door? Right. Are you walking, you know, how many steps are you taking? Yes. That type of thing. Yeah. So you're mapping all of that out, and then you start saying where you can trim the fat and um, make yes. that process more efficient. Right. So after you've listed everything, then you just start trimming. So so now we've got our, our value stream map made. We've, we've trimmed it down. We've got a good defined process and how we're going to do it. So um, kind of... What's the next? What's the next step or the next uh, next way into the automation? ERP. Okay. You absolutely need to have an ERP system for automation okay. for running the business. Uh, I can't stress that enough. Um, we've been using an ERP system, and it's been on the shop floor. Actually, we have about forty users on it now. It's throughout the company everywhere. Uh, of course, we started a little bit smaller and then it's grew and grew, but the ERP is, is linked to the, you know, production in a, in a meaningful way. It, it collects data and it, it reports on the data and, and I, I stress it in a meaningful way. Um, you need to get rid of paper. Right. Paper um, is inefficient. I agree. And it just adds something into the system that you have to remember. You know, it's like I have to remember to give this piece of paper to you because I'm done with my job. And it always it, it seems like somebody's always looking for a drawing or a, or a sheet or something like that. They're always looking for a drawing. And when there's a change made, everybody needs to get that change. Right. So you, you have to distribute the change on paper to all the appropriate departments. And if somebody's away that day or somebody, you know, puts it under another pile and forgets about it, then the, the change isn't made. Right. My, my issue with the ERPs in the past have been um, just looking at different companies that do it beyond just the expense of, of an ERP system is it seems like so many of them on the market, just kind of the out of the box systems um, are kind of post production. It's all like, okay, I've, I've milled my part, I've done my job, I've cut my piece, now I'm logging it into this system. So it's almost like it adds an administrative layer to everybody or it's somebody that's running that ERP system that's not, it's not a real-time thing. So is that, so I'm, well, I'm assuming in your system you, you strive to make it a, a real-time, um, as much as you can, but some, some amount of real-time data. Absolutely, it is real-time. and. I've been in this a long time, and what happened was we, we ended up developing our own ERP system, and it, it's called SMART. And we've been developing, actually, I, I met up with a, a fellow back in, uh, in the year 2000 by the name of James Bueller, who was setting up uh, systems 
for cabinetware here in Canada. And he noticed um, there was a lot of reporting and ERP type functions that were that businesses needed that were complementary to to cabinetware. So he started a a side business and and actually it was called Millwork Information Systems and we adopted a software and it made such a huge difference because it was creating things like purchase orders for doors and, and this type of thing that was that was coming right from cabinetware. Mm. So um, we took we we joined forces and we worked on this system and you know he asked me for a document to outline what I thought the ultimate ERP system was. This was you know, again back in the early 2000, and I, I gave him one and we slowly worked on it, and uh, eventually we became partners and we we uh, formed a company called Smart MRP Inc. And you're absolutely right the the the, the the ERP system is only as good as it's it's linked to everything that's in in real time. Right. That all the functions that are happening in the business, it's it's a tool like anything else, and you have to that tool has to be made so that it is like a tool, and if the tool is gone, they can't do their work. Right. That's sort of the test that you know that the ERP system is really integrating and doing its job. You know, it needs to be, a, I mean, I can, Jeff, I can go on for hours about ERP, <laughs> but, but just to give you an example, um, and, 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 um, and I'd certainly would like to talk about the pitfalls in selecting and, and implementing yes. the ERP system since you brought it up. But one of the things that happens when, and I've talked to so many shop owners and, and, you know, we have people tour Muskoka all the time. And of course, with the, the ERP business, we get, you know, really involved right. uh, with other shops and what they're doing. And one of the pitfalls is that uh, shop owners are looking for an ERP system that's going to adapt to how they do things. And that's just not practical because unless you are a very, very large company and you can afford to have the ERP system customized, yeah. Uh, which which is very involved and very expensive, then you need to be able to adapt to how the ERP system is going to do things, and because the ERP system will be designed to to streamline and, and do things maybe 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 just not one way. Sometimes they'll do it two or three different ways, but you've got to choose one and adapt your processes to the ERP system. Otherwise, you're looking at great expense a longer implementation and going back to your original comment about how it seemed that the, the, the systems you looked at uh, were like double entry. Right. That's very important. You want the ERP system needs to be linked to your front end. An ERP system for, for the cabinet business is focusing on, on, on two things and that's material and parts. So whatever's developing your, you know, that's, that's containing your material information and your part information, um, whether it be, an, you know, sometimes we, companies will use multiple front ends, Excel or a CAD CAM software, yeah. like Microvellum or Cabinet Vision or, or these types of things. Uh, or they may use something like Takeoff. But whatever they use, 
the ERP system has to map to those systems. Yeah. So that they seamlessly bring in the parts and the materials. From there, the ERP system can take over. But as long as you have that solid connection, then you know you'll be doing. You'll, it'll be a one-entry system. Yeah. So, so if you you know before we jump into the pitfalls on the ERP, tell us a little bit of specifics about what you know. You obviously have developed this ERP system over years and years of of trial and error and got mm-hmm. it honed in for your operation. But I, I know that you're real big into the RFID um, aspect of the automation, which ties to your ERP, I'm sure. So how, you know, what are some of the components of automation like robots and, and RFID? Can you explain a little bit about that system and, and kind of how you're, how you got to where you are now as far as where'd you start on the um, physical automation parts? Okay, sure. Well, RFID back in 2012, we, um, there was a lot of, over the years, I, I was, I guess I was just getting tired of complaints about uh, shipments missing parts or moldings or this piece or that piece. Right. And uh, as you know, it's very expensive because you either have to send another truck out to the job site or have the installer go back and reinstall the molding that was left against the wall uh, beside the shipping door. Right. So we wanted to we wanted to come up with a way to eliminate that, and RFID was the answer, and 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 that's how we started. So we we um, we started with RFID at the product level, which means every product, every cabinet, anything that was or even a molding or countertop. We printed a, a product label with an embedded RFID tag in it. And we put antennas around our shipping doors and read, and, and you know, these antennas are on 24-7. So anything that goes out the shipping door uh, gets read and applies a status on the ERP system of shipped. I see. So when, the, when, the, when they were loading the truck, and we, and we, we stage uh, 4x8 pallets uh, for delivery, so when they're loading the truck, they're, they're moving these pallets through the shipping door with a forklift, and it's reading. And before they print the packing slip, they check on screen, and they see everything that didn't get read, if there's something missing. So they have to pull it back and find it. So that's how we ins- – so it, and it, it paid off big time. It, so it basically, really it, it goes out the door, the RFID reads it, because my, my uh, um, experience with RFID is – you know, going through your local car wash and you're like their, um, you know, regular user plan, you got an RFID tag in your windshield. So when you go up to the car wash, the gate opens and you go in it. Is that, sim- that's basically what you're talking about, right? It just reads, uh, yes. reads that tag. And then you've got that tag tied to uh, a product, which may be a 30 inch base cabinet with three drawers in it or whatever. Exactly. Uh, it, it, it is, it's it a unique, checks yeah. it off checks it off the list just like a human would with a uh, with a clipboard and a checklist it checks it off but it won't basically you, you go out that door and if it doesn't find it you got to manually dig into that pallet and find that part exactly i see so you know during that process you'd get a little kickback because you know the the, the staff were saying you know well, it takes us you know we can't find something we have to bring it in and it takes us time to ship and like well let's compare that to the time involved in having it ship incomplete. There's right. no comparison. Yeah. 
take the extra 15 minutes. It's a, it's worth it. And the price of a tag, you know, they vary anywhere from eight to 12 cents now. And they're, they're continually coming down, but it's worth it. It, it pays for itself. And we found, I, I used to get my, my brother who um, is, is um, vice president of sales and marketing in the company. So he he's sort of the, in the front line with the salespeople. I used to get calls probably once a week because, you know, his salespeople would be complaining to him or the ins- installation crew or whatever. And then, you know, he'd get fed up and finally call me and I'd probably get one a week right. complaining. You know, we got, we got to do something about this. So we did. And the, we, I don't get calls anymore. Never. I would just, I, I bet. Cause that's a, I mean, that's about as foolproof as it gets right there. Well, it, it is. And, and that, that, that uh, point I was making about the extra time they had to take to back it out, we've actually eliminated that now. I'll just jump forward before I get into some of the other sure. robotics. But uh, last year what we did was we, uh, we bought this little palletizing robot. You know, it was $12,000. Um, the payback on that wasn't great because you could, you could, you, you know, you could stretch wrap a pallet for many years and still not have it paid back even at $12,000. But what we did was we installed a wireless RFID antenna on that pallet wrapper. So when the, after the, after the pallet was staged, this robotic wrapper would go around and around and around, wrap the package and read at the same time. So we're reading everything as it's wrapping rather than waiting till we're going at the shipping door. Ah. So we get a, we get a preliminary read there's a problem they deal with it and then when it gets shipped now it just goes right through the doors and gets a status of shipped and they never have to pull anything back yeah that's great so you're catching it even a little earlier in the process exactly so do you apply these to now now you used to just have them on products do you actually apply these to parts and pieces now or we do we we apply them to everything now and that's uh, that was that became possible in an automated way. I mean, you know, when you're when you're doing these things, you have to make sure you're you're not creating more work, or if you are creating more work, that it's actually paying for itself in some way. Right. When we decided to get into robotics, and we looked at uh, different areas in the shop where a robot might be useful, and the best return on investment happened to be in the in the uh, machining cell so the robot uh, loads the CNC machine unloads the cut parts feeds them into the horizontal boring and dowel insertion machine if it needs to and then places it on an outfeed conveyor well what's going on the outfeed conveyor that's where we have uh, the RFID printing and labeling happening okay. so we have an RFID enabled uh, printer that that puts down the, the label on the part and if that part has to go through the finishing line, you know, get a stain and top coat on it, you, you can't, can't have a label. So we invented a machine, um, a tag insertion machine, where if it's got wood on both sides, it knows that. And the next machine down, it stops and it, it puts a groove in the part and inserts an RFID tag right inside the part, which stays there forever. Oh, that's genius. So all of the equipment on the shop floor, all the processes have our RFID antennas. So we're constantly reading. And for the edge bander, for example, as it's going through uh, the edge bander, 
Well, actually, let me just take you one step forward. The first manual process in our shop where, where a human touches the part is actually at the, at the edge bander. Oh. So everything's cut, processed, labeled, and then sort of the first QC check is also the edge bander. There's only one operator in the cell. And this operator is the one operating the edge bander. And the part goes through, he has an RFID antenna. And when, he, when he's done edge banding, he swipes it near the antenna. And we have what we call smart carts. And there's, these carts are slotted and they're built. They're huge. They're built to, to uh, hold large jobs or like an entire kitchen. And the light on the slot will light up and tell him where he needs to put that part. So when he's done, the kitchen cabinets are completely sorted, cabinet by cabinet into this part. Nice. So with one person, we have, we have, we have cut, processed, labeled, downserted, edge banded, and sorted all the parts. With one person? With one person. And you're not, he's not doing any more than what he would have been just running that edge bander. That's right. <clears throat> so you've got one, one big cell there being ran by basically one operator. Um, and then the, the carts, uh, I've watched one of your videos before on the smart cart and you've actually got vehicles that are moving those around for you, right? Yes. And that's, that's all RFID. Yeah. The automated ground vehicle is actually not run with RFID. It's, um, uh, it's run on a, on, a, on a navigation system that we, again, invented in-house and developed. And um, when the operator is finished with the job, he, he, he calls upon the, um, the, the AGV to come and get the cart and bring it to one of the smart cart parking lots waiting for the next, uh, next operation. So if it's the finishing department, they're ready for that job, then they'll call it up and the AGV will go get that cart and bring it to them. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty... Pretty cool system right there. So if it stays on the cart, it goes through the finish, then it goes to build or wherever, and then, but basically the vehicles are having the material where you need it, when you need it, in the quantity that you need it. Right. That's that's amazing. So, right. so let's let's take a big step back now. Um, what's you, you mentioned maybe some of the pitfalls in in the implementing an ERP system. Let's let's talk about that a little bit because that is that is such a big process. Uh, that most shops never make it down. So let's let's talk about some pitfalls to avoid. Well, I, as I, I started um, earlier to mention that um, having the ERP system adapt to the way you do things is a pitfall. Yeah. You really want to, you the ERP system is is, is going to do, you know, do the process in, in, a, in a few different ways you need to choose one. You know, in the cabinet business and the millwork business, I mean, we're, we're all doing the same things, basically. Right. Uh, we're building, if we're doing cabinets, we're building boxes and hanging doors on them. The, the, it's really not, not a uh, complicated process. So we can adapt. Um, the other thing is to, to, to make sure that the ERP system will link to your front end. And cover off all the basis on your front end to make sure that those parts are coming in. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Like um, there was a shop owner that recently toured Muskoka. He had heard me speak uh, in the uh, the uh, Toronto show in the fall, 
and he wanted to, uh, he was really fascinated and wanted to automate. So he came and toured the factory and he, uh, I, I, he, he was, he was really interested in smart. He thought that it was great. And he was looking at some other systems. And so I asked him, he said, I think I'm leaning towards smart, but you know, I, I want to look around and I said, uh, so how many, how many shops did you visit that had this ERP, this other ERP system installed with, and he was on cabinet vision, he was on cabinet vision, right. and that, that had this ERP system installed working with cabinet vision, and, and for a considerable length of time, and he said, none. Yeah. They won't, they won't give me any references until I sign. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's probably got to be the biggest the biggest downturn is, is you got to make sure that it's going to integrate with your front end design software. Cause if not, you've just added a huge administrative layer to somebody. Um, and which is the whole point of an ERP system to begin with. Oh yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and, and I, I know with any software and I'm sure ERP is the same, you can't just implement bam, the whole thing all at once. You know, you have to, it has to be a staged, uh, you know, stage process. So it, it all goes smoothly. Absolutely. And it, it takes, it takes years. Right. Uh, to get it, you know, all the way. And, and it's something that just, it, it, the other pitfall is that a lot of people think that it's just something you have the company come in, they install it and away you go. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen that way. And at least 50, it's probably more like 75% fail. Uh huh. They fail. And they fail because of, of that reason, that they just think that the system's going to be installed and, and the people and the, yeah. the implementer will walk away. Magically, it all works. Magically. <laughs> and the other reason is that the, the, the shop owner doesn't take ownership. There has to be a champion in this. And depending on the size of your shop, and I, I, I think I'm – Probably your audience is the small to medium-sized shop, right? Right. Um, yeah. We're not talking about organizations that have several factories. Correct. And the the owner needs to look at this system as a money maker, as something that's going to make their life easier, as something that's going to allow them more free time because they're not bogged down with mundane questions and problems day after day after day. They have to look at it as a system that's going to share in real time information with everybody throughout the organization. You know, my phone doesn't ring. People don't come to my door. I'm really lonely. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's been like this for years. And I, 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 I was talking to the, uh, the, the shop floor supervisor a little while ago, and, and I usually talk to, you know, ask questions about every time I, before I, I go in front of an audience to talk, I want to know, you know, what, what my people think and how they really feel. And he said, he said something very interesting to me, which I never thought of. He said, the ERP system is like, um, it, it helps team building. He said, we, when we talk, we all know, we all have all the information. So we're not we're, when we get together to solve a problem. It's not about getting each other up to speed on the job or whatever. Everybody knows everything. It's actually to get you know right down to business and 
and save time and and um, he used the word team, team building, which yeah. I, I'd never heard. Well, and that's you know that that's been a common takeaway among all of the the people that we've interviewed on this podcast is just this you know one point you pointed out is that that the owner or the leader or whoever there's there's got to be somebody to to champion that you know uh, whether it's ERP or whether it's lean or whatever it is there's there's got to be somebody behind that that's living eating sleeping that um, because if if you're just trying to convey what you want it just it just doesn't stick and that's probably why so many people or owners are dumbfounded when their processes or systems don't work. They want to just blame mm-hmm. it on the employee, but really, uh, you kind of need to look in the mirror because if if you're not doing it yourself, 100% all in, then why would they? So that's you know I think it it sounds like it goes the same thing for this ERP or, or automation. I mean you got to have your people behind you, and and you got to be the front runner on wanting to uh, you know want to implement all these things. So I think that's a uh, been a pretty common thread across all of our interviews. Mm-hmm. So the next, you know, probably the next big question is, you know, how, what, what's the return on this kind of stuff? How do you pay for this? Because anytime anybody's ever checked on any kind of, you know, robotics or, you know, say RFID, whatever, there's usually a hefty price tag or ERP or whatever. How do you, how do you justify that? Or how do you start thinking about justifying that? Well, I, I definitely crunch the numbers always. Yeah. Always, there has to be return on investment, and I, and I have my maximum is three years. I won't do anything that won't pay back within three years, and a lot of stuff will will pay back in two or even in less. Um, the 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 robotic implementation, and and this is really very recent. I mean, uh, when I when I first looked at robotics about six seven years ago. It was too expensive. You were looking at a minimum of a half a million dollars. Yeah. And so it was difficult to, for the payback. Uh, one day, um, and I, I don't mind, you know, uh, promoting yeah. uh, some of the people that have helped me, but Automatech Robotics out of Quebec City here in Canada, who's probably the leader in robotics in the in our industry, and. And the, uh, the president of the company called me, and I'd been dealing, and we'd been doing studies, and, you know, the ROI just wasn't working. So I told him, you know what, just call me when you have something. Yeah. So he, he did. One day I got a phone call, and, and he said, I, I think I've got it. And he came up with a solution, and, and, and this solution, the reason why it was practical was the latest uh, version of robots which were lighter, faster, could reach farther, made and were less expensive, made it possible. So when I when I um, when I, I knew right away when he told me that there was a cell that I was going to be able to operate with one person, and I knew I figured it out. The payback was was uh, was was right there. Yeah. And then and then to add gravy, we. We implemented RFID with the robotic system, and then this is great about you know a good implementation company is going to look at what's happening in your process before and after. They're not just going to look at their you know their 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 one piece of software, their one piece of hardware, and tell you you're on your own with with what's going on outside of it. And this is what I this and so they allowed us to 
uh, talk with their database so that we could integrate. And then, and then when it became possible that we could use the cell to apply RFID labels and actually they're controlling that we built that RFID insertion machine I told you about earlier, mm -hmm. but actually it's the robotic cell that's controlling it. So, because it made sense. Right. Because the robot knows exactly which parts coming off, which way to turn it, how to put it down on the conveyor so that the insertion machine would insert it in the right place. So it was that collaboration. And when I added RFID into this, and then it just, it, it, it was amazing. The payback was just incredible because I could do all of this. I could add sorting, automated sorting at the edge bender with the smart carts. That's a huge deal. And then... Um, because we could apply labels to every single part, that meant things like when it got to the finishing department on the uh, white white sanding the uh, uh, white wood sanding machine before it enters the finishing department. So every part was being read, so that the person that was running that station no longer had to check manually if she had all the parts before it went into the finishing line. So the system was telling her what was missing right away because you know how expensive it is once you you don't want to wait till you get to assembly to find out that you're missing a finished end gable, right? It's just yeah. too costly. So when we took all that together, then it, it, it you know this is how we could justify it. The other thing is too that the, and, um, I, I and we might you might want to bring I don't know if you're going to bring this up later, but I'll mention now is is, is government funding. The government is so interested in having small businesses, you know, remain competitive and automate, and and uh, you know they help a lot with technology. Yeah. Implementation. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's a big push. I've heard it, uh, read it in a lot of magazines and stuff like that, and I'm sure that there's programs, especially on the local level, that uh, I've heard of a couple of them where they kind of fund match the small business to help them automate. You know, if it's going directly towards that kind of a uh, that kind of either software or hardware. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So, well, this is a, a load of stuff, Luke, and we've, I think we need to uh, maybe meet up again and, and kind of branch out even farther into some of the actual physical parts of it. Cause uh, this is, this is a lot of awesome information, especially on the ERP side. Um, man, it's just it really gets your brain spinning on how to, how to get started. But if you can, if you could take it all back down to one thing, or maybe even when you first started, what's, What's kind of the one thing our listeners can can take away from this interview to get us get us moving uh, on the right path to maybe maybe automating more or quicker? It would have to be get rid of paper and ERP. Yeah. If, if, if you're not if you're not there, that 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 would be the that would be the one thing that I would do. Um, whether you had you know aspirations of robotics or RFID. Uh, the ERP system, the one entry system, everybody off, you know, the one songbook makes an enormous difference. And it goes right to your bottom line. Yeah. Right to your bottom line. I agree. Well, Luke, let's, uh, let's jump into the quick cuts here. Um, just five quick questions. We can learn a little bit more about you and, and what makes you tick. So uh, what's your kind of what's your best advice or quote? This came from my father. It would be uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Good. Simple yet effective. 
what's a what's a personal habit or trait that makes you kind of more successful? Uh, I think it would persistence, perseverance, um, and I, I I just have a distaste for mundane tasks. Yeah, I, I just can't stand inefficiency and and. Uh, you, you yeah. can see it in your operation and everything you do. That that's that's definitely uh, definitely. You, like you said earlier, I think you said you like to dig down to that root. Uh, you like to keep asking why. I think that's how you worded it, but uh, that's that sounds right along with what you said there. So, what do you feel like? Uh, seeing that you're in the center of the the automation and and you you own a company smart, you know that does the ERP. What do you think the future of that automation it looks like in our in the cabinetry business? Artificial intelligence. Really? You have to and, uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. Well, I, I'll give you one example, and that's training. We all have the problem of our operators, training our operators, mm -hmm. especially with the machinery now. It's becoming more and more complicated. So what artificial intelligence can do for us, and this is where we you know, where, where we get into our, our, our um, RFID and, um, and, uh, and data collection, is that you can artify if artificial intelligence will actually will be example like a system telling you telling the operator um, uh, this filter needs to be changed or if you if you do the job in this order if you load that sheet first then you the output is going to increase by so many percentage um, you know what do I do next and con this this constant uh, back and forth with a system that is artificially intelligent with all of the data that is collected and happening in the cell or whatever process you're doing. I, I think I definitely think that's that's the future because people will see first of all, like I said, the training aspect of helping the employees be as productive as they can on the shop floor at all times when they're when they're doing a job. Yeah, that's that's got huge implications right there. Just to, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty that'd be pretty amazing. That seems seems way out there, but it's probably honestly not that far away. We're working on it. <laughs> Great. Uh, what's a resource or app uh, or software, obviously other than your ERP system, that makes you makes you better? Uh, well, here in Canada, we adopted the the Woodmark uh, certification system, which is like an ISO nine thousand. Okay. So it it just sort of formalizes one aspect. I won't elaborate too much, but one aspect is nonconformances. For instance, it, it's taught us to identify nonconformances to and to, you know, have quality committees to discuss nonconformances to fix things. Wow, just one of the uh, and that was called things. that was say that was Woodmark Woodmark certification system. It was developed by um, by the University of um, British Columbia. And uh, I mean, it's available North America wide for sure. Um, right. Was, yeah. What's a What's a book that you kind of consider to either be your favorite or your maybe your current favorite? It's an old one. It's called The Goal. Great one. Great. Have you read book. it? Yeah, I've read it. Yeah. I've listened to it. I've uh, read it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, awesome book, and I've I've read several other books that branch off of The Goal too. So I mean, that's a that's a great book, and you know, it's got a lot of you know, there's a lot of lean parts of the goal, but it's a different way of looking at it with constraints and bottlenecks. And man, that's a it's a great book. Mm -hmm. Definitely suggest it for anybody in our industry. Yeah, it, it just 
doesn't matter if you're big or small or anything. It, it, it applies. Yeah, and it's entertaining. It is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how can our listeners connect with you? They can email me at uh, Luke, L-U-K-E, at MuskokaCabCo.com, which is M-U-S-K-O-K-A-C-A-B-C-O.com. I may not get, I get a lot, I get a lot of inquiries every week. Sure. Either people wanting plant tours or wanting to talk to me about my journey. Um, so if you do email me, I, I, I will get back to you. It may not be right away, but I will get back to you. Well, all that will be included in the show notes. So, uh, Luke, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day. We know you're a busy guy, but we, uh, man, we all love hearing about this stuff and, and I'm sure we've, we're going to get people's brains spinning on how, they can, uh, you know, start implementing some of this in their business. So we, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, we would love to have you back again to elaborate more deeply on some of these uh, topics. Well, it's my pleasure, Jeff. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to come back anytime. Okay. Thanks, Luke. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Push Through Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and visit thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com for exclusive content, articles, and more.